This week on the Boag World Show, we talk about search engine optimization. Is this something people should be caring about and how much attention should we all be giving it? This week's show is sponsored by Team Gant and the Encouraging Clicks Masterclass. World, the podcast about all aspects of user experience design, digital strategy, and working in digital. My name is Paul Boag, and joining me, as always, on this week's show is Marcus Lillington. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> Hello, Paul Boag. Um, how are you this week? Okay, I'm, I'm doing all right, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I, I made the mistake of lighting the fire again, so um, I'm. I'm sweating, but other than that. All is good. I'm it's just so cosy and nice when you light the fire. Mm, yes, I've been having them on downstairs, but I, I don't I don't put the heating on. Well, there's two reasons why I don't put the heating on um, when I'm in the house on my own in the little office up in the corner is because there's it, no point in heating the entire house just to keep me warm. No. So I've got a little electric, yeah. electric heater down here, which I am going to turn on in just a second. The second reason is that the heating doesn't work. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. The classic. It's that time of October, year, isn't it? Mm, yeah. To, it does work and then it goes nope sorry so uh, i tell you so it's, yeah. my wife was moaning because one radiator in our bedroom doesn't work mm. um and she was like we spent all this money on the house and then the radiator doesn't work mm. and i said that's plumbing do you know <laughs> what i mean <laughs> plumbing is shit it doesn't matter. it's a fundamentally flawed system i think uh, you know this whole using water there must uh, be a, can, can't we use like <laughs> nuclear fuel or something you know and live in the future we're supposed to live in the future and we're still pumping water around our house to well, eat it um, weird. Ca- Canadians in particular think we're very odd because they all uh, cause, you know, it's super cold out there isn't it and they all yeah. have um forced air heating so it's like you know it, it, it's just comes through vents um in the yeah. walls you know much more sensible rather than heating up these metal plates on the wall with, with hot water <laughs> it's a really weird thing isn't yeah. it if you think about it it's a very weird way of doing things but there you go ours is apparently it's just full of crap it's just it, yeah it, it's i i'm one the radio when the heat I'm, I'm i'll put a guess on it central heating was put in this house in the 1950s i'm guessing. yeah <laughs> uh, and uh yeah so it's just it, it's it fires up all happy the boiler's like yeah yeah then it, it obviously can't pump it around so it goes mm, no i'm turning off yeah so, there yeah. you go so joy but anyway well, will you carry you on go. talking while i put my little radiator on so so this this apparently now is this week in plumbing instead of a, a podcast about you know anything useful or web design related but while marcus is faffing around with his heater i did want to mm. can i recommend a book am i allowed to recommend a book on the show i'm reading a really interesting book at the moment. i don't agree with all of it and to be honest if if i'm entirely honest it could have been a long blog post rather than the book it's one of those ones that you're not selling it anymore itself. <laughs> you sorry stopped, stopped selling it uh and i now, have and, haven't i and, and no it's it's really good it just repeats itself quite a lot okay it's called a company of one and it, i love it marcus it's the kind of book that you want to take and wave under brian's nose right so brian is um is a non-executive director i think he's pretty much given up on headscape now um but he he <laughs> believes in in kind of 
building these big companies and selling them off and, you know, growth, growth, growth and all that. Very much like you're seeing in in the Silicon Valley at the moment. There's this Mm. culture of grow fast and all of that kind of stuff, which, of course, me and Marcus lived through in the dot-com days. And it has made both of us and Chris as well very cynical of that kind of thing. And so I came across this book, The Company of One. It's called, um, you can find it at ofone.co very good url for the um mm-hmm. uh podcast nice short one um and basically it's making the argument for not growing your business right mm. and it, it's like it's really it's like he sat in on the conversations we always used to have at headscape and indeed i have now mm. you know about well should we grow is that really better you know does does you know is that really the thing to do will we be any happier and all of those kinds of things it's that's just number it's brilliant. number one question well the, the only reason real reason i think unless you're well, the, the main reason is that if you want to sell something if it's worth a lot if you built this thing up that's worth a lot of money and it's gonna you know, got loads of clients and all that kind of thing, you're more likely to sell it and make loads of money so fine yeah if that's if that's your goal Fine. I suppose some people, I think, love the idea of running something that's kind of yeah. big and difficult and complex and, you know, and or even, you know, feeds the mouths of lots of people, you know, mm. all their children, that kind of thing. But generally speaking, it's kind of like, why? Why bother? If, you, if you're earning enough, yeah. why yeah. do you need to add more stress to your life? Because it is more stressful having a bigger company, yeah. as we know. It is. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, for, for for fear of rubbing it into Marcus's face at the moment, you know, since since even leaving Headscape, you know, I earn more now than I did when Headscape was twenty people strong. You know, um, so, well, so that's because you're the internet famous Paul Bowag. That's why. No, it's nothing to do with that whatsoever, <laughs> and you well know that. Um, so yeah it's a really good book i highly recommend it i highly recommend it for anyone considering striking out on their own he tries and makes it a little bit kind of oh it applies to people that work in large organizations as well which it kind of does but the real central message of it is one aimed at at people like agency owners or people doing a a startup type business of going look you know you don't have to grow really fast now there are exceptions marcus has has named a couple and i've i've no problem if you're honest with yourself Mm. right if you go i want to build something big because i like the idea of managing something big you know Mm. totally respect that um Equally, I totally respect people that are going, I want to build this so that I can sell it. And that's my aim. Hmm. You know, absolutely fine. But when people go, I think it's that thing of, oh, if I build something big, I will earn enough money to be happy. Mm. That's the logic that's fundamentally flawed. And I think a lot of people have. Yeah, you you need to find the right size for you. Yes, Um, absolutely. Yeah, that's totally agree with that. Which probably is different for different people absolutely yeah but i I just i'm into the book i'm just into it because it's um it it feels like it's channeling everything that i've already believed do you know i think that's a big part when you read stuff or actually talks is a really good example i've been saying that for years yeah absolutely you go to a talk i often who was i talking to someone i was talking to saying oh i can't give a talk because i've got nothing unique 
that I can teach people. And I would say most people, mm. what they want to hear up the front is what they've been doing all along. So they can go, look, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, true. Absolutely. So, yeah, same with this book. I just, look, I told you so. <laughs> I'm not, it's not just me, you know. <laughs> anyway, Marcus, you got a thought for the day. You're going to talk about Drupal versus WordPress. This will be an interesting one. You'll get a lot of hate. Whatever side you come down, it'll be wrong. Mm, yes. Where is it? <laughs> right. Um, I've been rather busy over the last week. <clears throat> and uh, Paul, Paul sent me an email in the middle of the night with the notes, which reminded me um, that we have a podcast today. So I was a bit, <laughs> shit, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. And then I remembered that we did a comparison between Drupal and WordPress for a pitch that we've done quite recently. So I thought I'd share mm. that. Mm. And it might even actually be useful. You never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we used to say things a bit along the lines of WordPress is really nice to use, but Drupal can cope with more complexity. So which is your site? Which, you know, which bucket do you fit in? But yeah, actually, that doesn't really apply anymore. So what are the differences? Um and I guess the first thing to say, and we did this to the, the client in question, is that there really isn't that much difference these days. We could have built this this site and we could build pretty much any site on either happily. But we had to make the case for one or the other in this particular um, example that I'm talking about. So we thought, well, what are they? So we think that Drupal is very slightly ahead just for some technical reasons. So I'm, okay. I'm going to be doing a lot of um, reading stuff out now that I don't that understand. That you don't understand. <laughs> uh, some of it I do. But the, yeah, the first one is a good example. Um, so Drupal, uh, and this is because it's it, Drupal completely changed the way its core is built um, with the release of Drupal 8. Uh, and it's adopted an, an object-oriented approach to code and compliance with PHP standards recommendations. <clears throat> you can tell I'm reading that out, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> so um, basically it means it follows industry best practices and has a, a kind of clear way that code should be developed and included. This, they've also developed um, uh, API, API access to the core features of Drupal, which means that it's easier to extend and customize. Are you mm -hmm. still awake, Paul? Yeah, no, no, good, I get good. that. Um, the second point is it uses a, um, a tool, a feature called Composer to manage dependencies. So if things need updating, you can do them all via this thing called Composer. Okay. It, it's a, um, and key to this is that it, because it, you could do this with all the kind of Drupal related modules and things but it didn't deal with the wider php ecosystem so mm. so just imagine and i'm not talking from experience at all here just imagine if a third party component had been added to your site and it was yeah. no longer used but it had been left on a server and not updated because it's a third party thing because it's not drupal specific yeah. and then two three years later it becomes a security vulnerability Yes. Just, no, ima just, just imagine that. that. Just imagine What it. a horrible it would, situation it would be awful, that would be. wouldn't it? Anyway, so the, the new version, this Composer thing, deals with all of that. So that's, that's a cool ah, thing. Ah, good. Uh, another thing, and this is kind of related to the first one, I think, is it, uh, stricter code layouts. So with the compliance to PHP standards recommendations, uh, basically the development of modules for Drupal is more consistent. Uh, mm. I'm nearly there. Uh, two more points. Drupal has adopted an API-first approach, which I mentioned earlier, and this means yeah. that data can be both updated and read through its API, allowing secure access from other systems. So it it's better at integrating For integration with mm -hmm. third-party stuff. 
Final point, um, Drupal has a dedicated security team, like real people, uh, that is constantly testing core code and major contributed modules. Uh, so whenever there's a major security update, the community is notified in advance, blah, blah, blah. Everything can be kind of coordinated so that the updates are done at a particular time and all that kind of thing. So that's it, really. Other Really, mm. Drupal versus WordPress, they're pretty much the same these days, but apart from those few points. Paul, Paul in the chat room describes it very nicely. He says um, he would categorize the difference of, um, as Drupal is a CMS. Sorry. WordPress is a CMS and Drupal is a framework for building a CMS. I think he's saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, to some degree, I kind of see where he's coming from there, that there is more work to setting up Drupal, I think, than there is a WordPress site. Mm -hmm. But it gives you a lot more granular control. So I think my tendency would be for for sites that are bigger with a bigger budget, I would lean more towards Drupal. But for smaller sites, I would probably lean towards Mm. WordPress. Maybe that's because of my own knowledge and skill set. But also, there there is something very alluring about the massive kind of catalog of plugins for WordPress Mm. that, that does make life very easy and very quick. Um, so yeah, well, they exist, I mean, they exist so for Drupal as well. Tens of thousands of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there, there really isn't a lot of difference. Um, so, but it was just we had to do that exercise. So I thought I'd share. Yeah. It. No, it's it's an interesting exercise to do. Mm. And this thing of plugins does actually make, I think, is quite a big issue because. Um, I, who's, one of my clients recently, I, I, I was. they wanted to know how, it was one of the clients I mentor and they wanted to know my marketing technique and, and, you know, how I drove leads and all that kind of stuff. So I was talking them through my system and time and time again, I was talking about, and I use this plugin for this thing and this mm. plugin for that thing, etc. Um, and he was like, yeah, we build all our websites in craft, so we don't have any of that. Because, mm. you know, and that is one of the dangers of of not of picking a less mainstream product is that you don't have that same level of plugin support um, around it, which is, you know, uh, is, is always a good thing. But then you, from the sounds that you get that both with WordPress well, and Drupal. I, mean, I think two years ago, I did a comparison between Drupal and WordPress versus craft. Cause we were looking at, craft, Oh yeah. Cause it was, yeah. uh, it's such a lovely interface. Um, it really is. Nice yeah. It's got- to use, but we basically came to the conclusion that, yeah, it's, it's not well supported enough. But yeah. So, you know, you don't get thousands of people building plugins for it and that kind of thing. Which is a little bit, it's a shame in mm. some ways because it's, um, uh, you know, it's almost a catch 22, isn't it? Mm. Because, you know, if it isn't popular enough, people don't buy into it. And what I like about plugins, sorry, what I like about um, competitors like that is it pushes the whole in- industry forward and pushes those bigger mm. players to, to keep improving. And, I, yeah, I hate to say it, but, for example, I really like Gutenberg. And I'll, I'll get hate mail for saying that I hate I like Gutenberg, but I do. You know, I think it's a definite improvement. But well, it's go. easy to use. It's not called that anymore, is it? It's called something else. Just like oh, isn't it something box editor or something? I don't know. Well, uh, but yeah, yeah, it is easy to that, use. But the, yeah. that, that yeah, this is a little bit of a tangent. But I I remember thinking about this this idea of kind of like small CMSs um, and. Mm. 
uh, and them being kind of sold as open source platforms, which they are, but it's kind of yeah. like, if there aren't many people using it, it kind of may as well be proprietary. It, it needs yeah. to have this huge kind of community supported for, for open source to be of any kind of real value. So, yeah, I, except, of course, you can get the core code and you can mess around with the... the so yeah. if you're technical enough... I meant from a client you've perspective. you've got enough resources. From a, yeah, from, from a client perspective, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah if, if they're, they're, what they're concerned about is business continuity, it's like... Of well, course. It doesn't really make any difference. But anyway, no, I've gone no. off on one. Anyway, no, no, it's a good one. I, I was a bit different Ooh. for us yeah, to for talk me. about developer <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, you're the one talking about development stuff. All right, what we're supposed to be talking about this week is SEO. Mm, something um, else I don't uh, know anything about. Uh, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and I, I think it's worth saying at the outset, I mean, I'm not an ex- SEO expert, but then the kind of the whole point of this season is it's to look at, well, you know, do we all need to know anything about SEO? And if so, how much do mm. we need to know? So, you know, it's, it's not like we need to know a huge amount about SEO. I'm not expecting you to all become experts in SEO. Neither am I, mm. you know, but but rather to have maybe that, that basic understanding of what we're doing with that. And I think this is quite... It, the re- I umdenard as I do pretty much with most of these subjects every week as to whether to include it or not, whether it really is a subject that we all need to pay attention to. Um, I decided to include this one in the end as much because I think most people have a very out-of-date attitude towards SEO um, that is quite a negative attitude. Um, understandably so, and I, I'm quite happy because to of myself. people who, who used to write like inflammatory blog posts on the subject. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I did very much write an inflammatory blog post on Smashing Magazine about uh, SEO, um, and I was improved. In, I was proved entirely right. I have to say, in terms of the direction that SEO eventually moved from that, but that was a long, long time ago. Uh, and the whole industry has, has, has really come on a, an enormous way. And I think we do need to pay attention to it. I think we all do. You know, we all, we all know how important search engine rankings are, right? There's no getting around it. It's annoying, in fact. You know, I, 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 the, the one that gets up my nose at the moment, right, is the fact that Google have just got it sewn up so well, haven't they? Right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ranked... I am ranked number one for the term customer journey mapping, right? Yet there are like four ads above me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they extract content from my article and display it in a snippet above my link as well. So, so you don't – well, you do need to click through, right? So, so I was actually sitting there going, I wonder whether I ought to pay for advertising on customer journey mapping. And that is the very thing that I rank number one on, right? The number of companies that end up having to pay for advertising <laughs> for the name of their own company that they come number one list over because the competition have taken out ads on that word. <clears throat> Just anyway, mm. right or wrong, that is the world we live in. Can you remember when Google was new, Paul? Yeah, oh, I look can. At this new thing, isn't it good? I know, I know. <laughs> we all got pulled in, yeah, with its ease of use and its effectiveness. Damn them for making a good product. 
Yeah, if only Alta Vista was still around, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Or even, even uh, you know, let it would just be a bit better if there was anything, really, that kind of competed with Google on the same level. Well, doesn't, you know? doesn't Bing, supposedly... Oh, really? No, I don't know. I've never used it. That was a question. <laughs> uh, in terms of market share, it's, it's minute. But is it as powerful? Um... I think it's much in a muchness, but it's irrelevant if no one yeah, uses it. If no one uses it, it yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's DuckDuckGo as, as mm. well, of course, which is the, the kind of the more ethical version of it. Um, but, but, you know. but Google say they do no harm. Well, this is very true. i tell you one area where this is a massive tangent. One area where Google do outperform Bing that I discovered recently from my teenage son, which did worry me slightly as to why he knew this. But anyway, um, if you Google how to commit suicide. God. In, yeah, I know. Yeah, right? yeah. He, he, to be, I, I, we talked about it. It was fine. He saw it on a Reddit post. It's, it's all good. Well, the fact that if he, he's on Reddit disturbs me. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Reddit's a, a hive of scum and villainy, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, if you if you search on um, uh, Google for how to commit suicide, you get the Samaritans helpline, right? right? And all these articles about why you shouldn't commit suicide. That's Do the cool. same thing on Bing, and it gives you advice about how to kill yourself. Ooh, dear, that's a bit worrying, isn't it? Yes. So perhaps Google isn't all bad. No, I was oh. just being a little bit naughty because they had to yes. change their "we do no harm." ethic thing didn't they because then they realized that actually they might be doing harm here and there around the world <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> comes to something when a company has to uh, actually we are doing harm do a little bit of harm yeah don't try not to do too much harm there you go <laughs> <laughs> minimize your harm <laughs> right okay so anyway that's a huge tangent what we do know is that um uh search engine rankings are important there's no getting around it of course as marketers you're going to care deeply about that because mm -hmm. if you get good seo ranking that means you have to you can spend less on pay-per-click advertising well at least in theory although i did just undermine that mm -hmm. <laughs> um but that's the theory um pms need to care about it simply because clients care about it copywriters need to care about it so they write relevant well-ranked content that uses the user's language um designers need to care about it because actually if you look at modern seo and what google wants from you actually a lot of that is built around what i would call ux best practice so there is a huge amount of overlap in that area developers need to care about it because one of the most important things google seems to care about is speed that makes an enormous difference in your rankings these days. And, of course, user researchers need to care about it because most journeys actually start from a search on a search engine. Mm -hmm. So, so actually, it's, I, I struggle to think of an audience that shouldn't be giving this at least some attention, if that makes sense. Yeah, even salespeople, to a certain extent, they need to know what the – they need to understand – or they need, yeah, they need to understand it enough so that they can explain to their would-be client uh, yeah. how their their company is dealing with that. Well, yeah, absolutely. So really, it's something that I think you know to some degree we we can't ignore. Mm. <laughs>
So, before we talk about what you need to know about SEO, let's just talk about um, this week's sponsor, which is Team Gantt, right? Um, really great tool that you should definitely check out. Do you know Brett Harnard that we've had on the podcast a couple of times? Digital project manager guy, Brett. Yeah, yes. I've never met him, I don't think. No, I don't think you have, actually. So it's but hard yeah, know, to remember I, people. I know who he remember. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he now he now works at Team Gan and um, he's doing some some really cool stuff over there. So okay. first of all, Team Gan is a beautifully intuitive project planning application. Um, so it's easy to manage your projects and your timelines visibly, mm-hmm. um, visually, vis- <laughs> visually, 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 either yes. graphically, maybe graphically. Yes. Um, uh, and and as you know, this is coming from someone that deeply hates, you know, Gantt charts. You're not a, a not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Gantt charts. No, but these guys, I do like what they do. Actually, <laughs> um, so it's great. I mean, you know, being able to visually see what's going on in a project is a great way of you know rescuing your project from project chaos and missed deadlines and all that kind of stuff it works great for both large and small teams so project managers and team leads can easily see the big picture with reports but they can also dig into the details of particular people and resources Um, specialists like designers copywriters marketers can customize their view so they're just seeing the relevant stuff to them and they can easily switch between like a calendar view a simple list or a gantt chart so people like me who don't like Gantt charts um, have got alternatives. Um, so you can sign up to get a free plan by just going to teamgantt.com. I can never spell Gantt. It's one of those words I can never spell. G-A-N-T-T, which Cor- makes no sense to me. Correct. It's ridiculous. Isn't yeah. it? It's a, it's a name, isn't it? Mr. Gantt invented it, I think, he says. Oh. I think. You just pulled that out of your ass. You? Yeah, I've got to check it now. Um, but, but here's the thing. If you want to get two free months of their advanced paid plan with time tracking and all that kind of stuff built in, if you pop Brett an email, he's a lovely guy, right? He's a lovely guy. Um, he said to me, oh, yeah, we'll sort something out. Because I said, you know, yeah, they, they, yeah, people, like a, people like a deal, Right. So he's agreed to do that. All you need to do is drop him an email to brett at teamgant.com. Um, and uh, feel free to pick his brain as well. His his job is 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 kind of talking about digital project management and talking about how to manage your projects better. So I'm sure I'd be quite happy to have a little chat with you. And he's a lovely guy. We need to get back on the show at some point. But anyway, that's Team Gant. So check it out at teamgant.com. Right. Here we go. A Gant chart is a type of bar chart that illustrates a project schedule named after its inventor, Henry Gant, 1861 to 1919. 1860. So it's been around a long time, Gant. So chart. was not talking out of my ass. No, you weren't. Well done. For once. See, you do know things. <laughs> So what do you know about SEO? That's the question, Marcus. Well, pro- probably more than I think I do. But well, let's see. Mm. Let's see how much of this is new to you, because I don't mm. think a lot of it will be. Because I don't think, to be honest, I don't think we need to know a ridiculous amount. A lot of SEO, in my opinion, is just common sense. Yes. Um, it's really, it's remembering to think about it at the appropriate times in a project and integrating it into your kind of workflow. Um so I think the, the most important thing to remember is what the 
objectives are of search engines like Google, right? Now, don't don't answer the cynical object, uh, uh, objective, which is to make shit tons of money. We know <laughs> that one. Set that one aside for a minute. In terms of search, what they want to do is connect users with the best and most relevant content, right? After sales, after paid advertisers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so actually, the way to rank well on search engines can be summed up by the simple statement of you create the best and most relevant content. Right. If you do that, you will rank well. Um, so that's all I, I have to do to get number one on Google. Yeah, not necessarily number one, but yes, yeah. I honestly, I do honestly believe that, largely speaking, if you create the best content, right, that is the easiest to access and most relevant to users, you will end up number one on Google, right? But there are obviously other factors involved. Um, but that is the core of it, right? Mm. So really, whenever a client talks about SEO, really, that's what they're saying. You know, oh, they don't know they're saying that, <laughs> but that's what they should be saying, right? But what they're saying um, is, so, how do I get to number one on Google? Yes, <laughs> they are. And the answer to that is to create better content that is more relevant than everybody else. You know, but that's a hard thing to do. It is. Um, but it's quite a useful answer because it puts the onus back on them because they're often the ones that create the content. And mm. it's usually pretty ropey in my, uh, uh, my opinion. But anyway, um, so really what you're doing is you're writing for, con for people first and actually search engine second, you know, uh, because increasingly search engines do the hard work of kind of working out whether your content is good or not. You know, but there are some keys for, to creating the best and most relevant content for people, like using the right language, using the words and terminology that your audience uses. Right. I'm having this um, debate at the moment with a client. Um, I'm interested uh, to know what you mean by that. Well, what I mean by that is that I think a lot of us tend to use the kind of terms that people... Right, when people enter a term into a search engine, they're saying, this is what I want, and they're saying it in their tone of voice, right? But often our websites don't use that same tone of voice, mm -hmm. okay? So let me give you an example, right? One of my clients... Um, refers to dimensional mail mm, right yeah okay nobody ever no talks one, no about no one in dimen the world uses that term apart from them no they talk about direct mail and uh, swag mm. basically you know yeah so that's an example um also i think people use um in, in not even just jargon because that's an example of jargon but sometimes they use flowery language that sounds great, you know, kind of marketing, you know, we're going to create business synergy and, you know, all of that kind of bullshit. Yeah. But people don't type into a search engine, how do I create better business synergy, right? Yeah. That's not the kind of... So, so really, keyword research and that kind of thing is about understanding the terminology that people are using, really. 
that's quite interesting because you know I was talking about doing a competitor review the other week. One yeah. of, one of the basically it was for um, companies that do English tests for. You can go and take an English test so that you can get into an American university or an Australian yeah. university or that kind of thing. And I was looking at five different competitors. Um, and one of the competitors, because of their name, so their brand, they were called Language Cert, S-C-E-R-T, referred to their tests as certificates and becoming certified. And yeah. that bothered me because it's like that's not what your audience refers to these things as. I want to take yes. an exam or, an, or a test. So, but that's the problem with that. If, well, it's not a problem. You just need to ensure that you're thinking about when you're, when you're looking at tone of voice, which is part of branding, um, mm-hmm. you need to consider this at that point, I get, I suppose. And yep. so I have learned something new. Cause, and that, that's, you know, that is the trade-off, isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, we, when we're, th- when so we're they've, thinking- got, they've got a decision to make, right? Either they can be brand consistent or mm. they can rank well on Google. They can't do both. Yeah, but uh, I suppose the point I'm making here is when we're thinking about setting up brand, we're thinking oh, yeah. about the character of the company. You're not thinking about things like using the audi- your, you know, your, your audience's mm. language. So that's interesting. That's a new thing. Uh, yeah for me no, that's good so i like that i, I can go I see now. where you're coming from yep yep yeah absolutely Bye. and i think so it's, so it's about using the audience's language and we're going to deal in deep, dive into that a little bit more in a second and the second thing is it's about producing the best and most relevant content regularly right and that's the tr- part of the trouble that i think a lot of people have with search engine rankings is they create these static sites Mm-hmm. Um, that don't update, they don't change, they don't evolve. Um, and so Google says that that content is is less relevant. And I'm being asked by um, in the chat room, do you think the fresh content still is an issue in ranking? Yes, I do. I mean, Google haven't explicitly said one way or another, but the reason that I do is I know, take, for example, that customer journey mapping article. Mm. I have to go back in and refresh that probably once or twice a year. Um, Otherwise, it will begin to slip down the rankings, right? Mm. Now, whether or not that is because other people are producing new content or whether Google... Google's algorithm is gradually pushing things down. I think the principle is still the same, that you've got to be producing content on an ongoing basis. Because the reason, because um, uh, the other reason, of course, is that um, uh, the, the more content that you're producing over time, um, uh, the more um, interest, uh, sorry, the more interest there is in it, the more linking there is to it, and the bigger the domain authority that you build. So that's why boag world ranks so well is because for 14 years i've been there i've been consistent i've been putting content out every week and so google has learned i am a reliable source Mm. you know so so that's the other aspect to it i think but let's dig into this idea of um keywords using the right words the right terminology um and, and how to integrate those into what you do. And this is where I think um, some of these search engine tools are really quite good. So there's SERPstat is the one that I use, right? So so the way that SERPstat works is I can go in 
and I could type in, I don't know, user experience design, mm -hmm. and it will tell me how popular that term is. It will tell me related terms to it. It'll give me questions with that term in it, right? And I can use that to integrate it into my um, uh, uh, into my articles. Mm. So, for example, I'll give you a, I'll, I'll give you a really good example where this this worked particularly well, right? I wanted to write an article on choice paralysis, right? Um, and I've always known it as choice paralysis, right? But I ran it through SERPstat, and it came back with this related term of analysis paralysis, yeah. which is a cooler term. <laughs> let's be honest, um, and. And actually, I then ran both terms, choice paralysis and analysis paralysis, through Google Trends. So you can compare the, the, the relative use of those two terms. Mm. And analysis paralysis was way higher. In other words, a lot more people use that phrase than use the phrase choice paralysis. So means the same thing to me. That's the language that users are using. So I Use that. <laughs> yeah. wrote the article with that word instead, mm. right? That's what I mean by using your user's language, you know, is actually finding out. And so going back to your example, Marcus, mm. the answer is, you know, you, you, you would do go into Google Trends and type in, you know, English certification mm. and English test. And you'll be able to see instantly which the mm. winner is and prove it to the client. Mm. They're not my clients, so it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stuff them then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so then once you've identified those kinds of words around whatever subject it is you're, you're talking about, obviously you're going to start including them in your title. Stuff them into everything, um, Paul, surely. No, and that's really interesting. You can actually easily overdo it, and actually it has a negative effect. If, if there is a, a, a very low threshold, actually, at which point Google starts going, hang on a minute, <laughs> yeah. what are they up to here? So it's almost turned right on its head. You've got to almost be careful not to put it in too much. Right, where it used to be, used to put it in a lot. So, you, but you are going to want to include it in the title of your page, mm -hmm. um, uh, and I'll come on to tools in a minute. Paul's just asked in the chat room what what tools I use to 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 see whether you've overdone SEO, and I'll come to that in a minute. But yeah, so you include it in your titles, um, include it early in whatever piece of copy. Um, you know, within the first, I don't know, ten percent of the copy that's in the page, try and include it in the URL. Um, include it a little bit in the headings, um, in in alt tags, but but only when appropriate. Because an alt tag is describing the image. It's not a place where you're just shoving keywords randomly. So often it's not appropriate to put it in there. Um, and don't you do it. Don't, don't you do it. That's bad, right? Um, and then, yeah, that's basically it, right? So you just write the copy with that stuff involved. Um, now, the other thing you might want to bear in mind is make sure, and I have this problem, um, make sure you don't have pages that are competing over the same keyword. Google needs to know that on BOAG world, this is the page about analysis paralysis, mm. right? And of course, when you've been blogging for 14 years and have over 1,500 posts, you get a little bit of repetition. Um, so every now and again, it is worth stepping back and looking at, are you 
clearly showing both your users and the search engine the definitive information on this particular subject. And often you can do, create things called cornerstone posts. And cornerstones posts are typically longer form posts that give an introduction to a, a topic like analysis paralysis and then link out to all of your other posts on that subject. Mm. And those posts then link back to the cornerstone posts so that Google gets a very clear idea that this is the hub of this kind of information, if that makes sense. Okay. So that can be worth doing. Uh, what else? What, what's your readability as well? Um, this is a, a, a good one from a UX perspective, but a good from a SEO perspective as well, that um, Google actually seemed to, to, in some situations, seem to penalize content that is written to too high a reading level. Um, and that's for usability reasons mm. that, you know, as we scan copy, you know, even if we have a postgraduate degree and are really well educated and all those things, we turn into morons when we're <laughs> scanning copy because we've only got a few seconds and we're trying to process all this information. And so you make your language as simple as possible. Also, of course, a lot of people don't speak English as their first language. So they might be incredibly intelligent, but not be particularly good. Um, you know, when they're reading English as a second language and they're in a hurry to do it and all the rest of it. Then the other thing that I mentioned in the introduction, pay a lot of attention to speed. Google seems to be very keen on that one. Um, be generous with your links as well. Link out to lots of people and lots of sources. Um, again, that's good user experience. You know, it's providing reference material. And we get really stingy on our websites. Even I find myself doing this. Yeah, I don't want to, don't want to let the user go somewhere else <laughs> to somebody else's site, you know. But actually, Google will reward you for that, right? right? It yeah. likes that you're doing that. Um, so ultimately, it pays back doing it. But also link internally too, Right. So make sure you link um, posts together. So if you look through my my articles, I have a whole load of different methodologies for, for, for cross-linking, right? Um, so I have like little pull out, you know, see also this article. I um, have related links at the bottom of every post. I manually add links, but here's the interesting one, right? And this is definitely worth doing. The problem, right, let's say I wrote a post today on um, analysis paralysis, as we seem to be using that as a, my keyword example. So I've now written a definitive post on analysis paralysis, right? Now, I've probably mentioned analysis paralysis and choice paralysis many times. At least 500 years. times in this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in this podcast alone. Um, yeah. And all those posts that I've written in the past won't be linked to my new definitive source, yes. right? And that's shit, obviously, okay? So there are some great plugins, mm. back to WordPress, um, which will, will basically, you can go in and say, look, anytime you find the phrase analysis paralysis, mm -hmm. right, automatically link it to this post, right? And it will go back through your entire site and update all of those old posts to link to the new one, which is great. All right. So that's a little tip that I find quite a useful one. Cool. Um, obviously, 
while you're writing all of these, you know, this compelling content, make sure you write unique and relevant meta descriptions. So that's the stuff that appears in your search engine results. And pay particular attention to the advanced snippets that are around today. Um, you know, where you, it adds a picture and various other kind of stuff. All of that's worth looking at. Um, make sure that your URLs are meaningful and include your keywords. Make sure you think about social media as part of your overall SEO strategy because Google pays attention to how many times it's, you know things are mentioned on social media and that kind of stuff. Um, watch your redirections when you redesign, right? Um, that's a, a, the, one of the main reasons I haven't redesigned my site because it fills me with terror, the idea of having to redirect all those links. So that's a huge piece of work that needs considering any time you're redesigning a website. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so important to get that right. So really, that's pretty much all I want to say in terms of what you want to learn. All right. But let's talk about some of the resources to get you started with that. Um, and that'll answer the question in the chat room about um, uh, tools and things like that. Before we do that, I just want to talk about our second sponsor for the day, which is me. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to um, mention my Encouraging Clicks Masterclass uh, that that I run. Um, at the moment, I've reduced the, the price down from $175 to $87 because I've decided why not? It's been out for a while. Let's screw over the people that paid full price to begin with and, and now put it on discount because that's the kind of thing that Every, really annoys everyone people. Everyone loves it when, when companies do that. Every, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, you expect when something's been around for a while, it gets discounted, doesn't it? So, so check it out because it's only 87 dollars did i say pounds earlier i meant dollars no you said dollars um oh did i right cool <laughs> so it's a course about um uh <laughs> see <laughs> that's quite funny so in, in the chat room she said see inaction does pay rewards <laughs> yeah um so it's a, a a course on improving your conversion rate without alienating users in other words not without resorting to things like dark patterns and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're going to learn the foundations of conversion rate optimization. You're going to understand, um, you get to understand psychology and decision-making, how to reduce cognitive load and why that even matters and what exactly that is. Um, learn how to persuade people without alienating them. Um, create compelling calls to action and how to improve your conversion rate into the future, you know, over the long term. So it's really, it's an ideal course, whether you're a designer, a marketer, an entrepreneur, or a product owner. Um, it's a self-learning course. You can learn at your own pace. It's over four hours worth of material, 29 lessons. I really should have done one more, shouldn't I, to make it 30. But 29 lessons, currently only £87. I'm going to put it back to its dollars. dollars. Um, I'm going to put it back to its normal price of $175 on the 1st of November. So if you want to get it, you have until then to do so, which you can do so by going to boagworld.com forward slash masterclass. Okay, let's Boom. talk about resources. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it down or something. Drop the mic or I don't know, whatever the cool kids say <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um. There are loads of great pr plugins to help with this kind of stuff. So the all-time famous one that anybody who 
uses WordPress must have heard of is Yoast. Yeah. Right? Um, so Yoast does an excellent plugin that will tell you, give you advice to get you started um, in your SEO. It will, uh, you'll enter in the keywords you want to score for and it will recommend things like, you know, put it in the title and do it, you know, this amount and don't have too much keyword density and and it will check your posts for that. So that's a very good one. There is another one. I, so I used Yoast for years, but more recently I've switched to um, another one called Rank Math at uh, rankmath.com. Um, it has, it does some stuff that well, no. Let me be honest. The main reason I switched is it's prettier. Um, <laughs> it pretty much does the same thing as the Yoast plugin, but it's prettier. Um, also, there was some stuff that in the Yoast one that you had to pay for features that you had to pay for, while um, uh, Rank Math is free at the moment. Whether it remains so, I don't know. Mm. But you might want to check that one out as an alternative. However, what you cannot beat Yoast over is his blog. If you care about any of this SEO stuff and want to learn more, he's got an absolutely brilliant blog that I highly recommend. Um, so really, you should install Yoast's plugin and pay for it just to support his ongoing blogging because it, it, it really is incredibly useful. Very, you know, a lot of SEO stuff gets very technical and obscure and you go, what? Uh? I don't ever feel like that when I read Yoast stuff. So there's that. The other tool that I mentioned earlier is one called SERPstat. So that's SERPstat.com. Now, that is a paid-for tool, um, uh, and uh, but it will do really good for keyword research, really good for tracking your rankings on certain keywords. My piece of advice there is I think their default price on their own website is a bit overpriced, in my opinion. Keep an eye on something like AppSumo um, uh, because every now and again, they do a big discount, right? So their, their normal prices on their website um, is um, like the, for their light version is $69 per month. But you can get it for like $35 a flat fee forever if you kind of hang around for a bit and wait for, for AppSumo to, to uh, come on board. So that's a little tip there. By the way, someone <clears throat> in the chat room, I'm guessing in the chat room, has just bought my workshop. I've just got a notification in saying I sold one. Now that... It was Paul. Paul, you make me happy. He's just said it was me. See, that's the kind of that's the kind of marketing I like. You say something and you get an instant sale out of it. Yeah. About proof, bloody time we got round to it. in the sales funnel, eh? Yeah, well, I was, it was funny. We were, interestingly, we were talking about this in, in Slack recently. I don't know whether you see, saw that. Oh, no, I'm a victim. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, so the SERPs that. Then there's Google Trends, which I mentioned earlier. Google also have a really good page speed test tool. If you've not used that before, you should check that out. Lighthouse. Um, I've written a post that you might want to check out, which is how SEO has improved the user experience of my blog. So if you're a user experience designer and you're like, meh, SEO's evil, um, I'd recommend checking that out. Just go to Boag World. Don't bother with the show notes. Just type in SEO into my my search engine and it'll come back 
Um, and then the very last thing I want to mention is um, uh, there's a, a website called Search Engine Journal, which is a fairly heavy going website, if I'm honest, you know, a bit, bit too kind of technical. But it also does have a complete guide to SEO, which you can download. That is very good and worth checking out. Okay. So there's a whole load of different tools that hopefully will get you started. Um, but the real way, I mean, to be honest, most of the time, the only things you need to remember is when you sit down to write a piece of content, identify the keywords relating to that piece of content, use a tool like SerpStat or Google Trends to make sure you're using the right words, then use a tool like Yoast or Rank Math or something like that to make sure that you're using those words appropriately within the content that you're producing. And if you do those two things, you're sorted. Mm. That's really all most of us needs to know about it. But the one message I really want to leave everybody with is, I hate to say it, but SEO is not the evil thing that I said it was all those years ago. Um, actually, I think, you know, uh, although I want to say a lot of nasty things about Google, I, I really do think um, uh, that it's moved things forward um, and that um, it's, it's kind of moved the whole um, uh, industry forward to make it much more user-centric, to make it much more f uh, focused on creating better content. So mm. I, I do appreciate that. A couple of people in the room have asked what the plugin that I use to update my post to automatically embed those links. Um, there are actually a load of different ones that, that are all pretty good, to be honest. Um, the one that I'm currently using, the one I used to use stopped working when, when I upgraded to Gutenberg, um, and it hasn't been updated for years, so probably wasn't a good choice uh, anyway. The one I use at the moment actually is one that's designed um, for affiliates, so it's the idea of you injecting advertising links into your um, your post, which is like, yeah. but it does exactly what you need to. Um, and it's a tool called um, Affiliate Butler. Um, so it will, um, it's got a lot. Of, um, it basically allows you to create auto links based on certain keyword terms. Um, so that's definitely worth checking out um, and giving a go. Cool. Um, okay. I think that about wraps it up for this week's show. Um, and Marcus, do you have a joke for us? This is a joke from Bob Salmon in the Slack channel. <clears throat> Never challenge death to a pillow fight unless you're prepared to deal with the repercussions. No, that's terrible. <laughs> that's not even a... That, no, I'm sorry. That's not even a joke. It is. Repercussions. Come on. That's pretty good, isn't it? It is not a proper pun on words. I'm sorry. Yeah, look. <laughs> Leslie agrees. That is just terrible. Oh, but it made me laugh. But that's easy. Who was that? Who was that who said that? Bob. Bob Salmon. Bob Salmon. Mm -hmm. He's going to get banned from the, the Slack <laughs> channel for that. <laughs> Well, that is truly <laughs> terrible. And you picked that. I, there are lots of good jokes in the Black like Bad Joke one. Channel. All right, I'll, you, I'll do you another one. Let me find another one. Okay, give me another one. All right, if, any, that, if, that just if, if anyone wants to discuss how bad my carpentry skills are, my door is always open. That, <laughs> <laughs> now, that is good. I like that one. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm happy now. You've, you've made me happy. All right, then. That's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's show. Please join us next week when we're going to be talking about engaging others online. 
which I think will be mm. uh, an interesting show about how to avoid flame wars, um, which I think might very much be a do as I say and not as I do type uh, show where um, I, I, yeah, you learn from the horrible mistakes that I've made over the years. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about that because increasingly we all have to interact with people online and, and um, yeah, it's easy to screw it up. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be quite a comical show. Yes. Um, but until then, <laughs> thank you very much for listening and talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Oh, my God.